With news of a water shortage, we talked to a scientist about how plants cope with drought. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105. In this section called Scientists at Work, we talk to people who, for some reason or another, find themselves working, researching or thinking about science in Cambridge, England. We're going to have a look at how the current water shortage is likely to affect plants. So if you have a flower garden or a vegetable patch, you'll want to hear Nicholas chat with scientist Helen Holmes, who is a plant researcher at the University of Cambridge. Helen is currently working on a sugar beet project at the Rothamsted Research Centre in Hertfordshire. But let's hear what Helen has to say about water and plants. So Helen, why do plants need water? Okay, plant uses water for many things that aren't necessarily apparent when you when you first look at it. Like first of all, every reaction that the plant undergoes in its cells, I call the all the chemicals it uses need to be dissolved in water in the first place. So basically, lots of plant cells are just sort of they've got a rigid outer cell wall, it's called, but inside they're just like a bag of water. So all those reactions happen in solution in there. And also one of the main things that soft tissue plants need water for is to actually hold themselves upright. When the, the cells are full of water, when this balloon's full of water, it exerts pressure on its neighbouring cells, and that happens all the way through the plant. It's called water pressure that's holding these plants upright. So you know that when things wilt and they, they sort of flop, and like if you've got some celery that's been a bit forgotten about and it's in the back of the fridge and you first take it out it's, it's all wilty and floppy but if you put it in some water it'll suck up that water and its cells will expand again and uh, then it'll get crunchy again so it's sort of using it as a support mechanism to hold itself upright. So they need water to hold themselves upright and also for chemical reactions. Photosynthesis? Yeah they take water sunlight and CO2 and in, in that reaction called photosynthesis, they make sugars. And just like you or me, you know, they need sugar for, for energy. They make their own food like that, just from those three simple things. That's quite amazing. And if there isn't enough water around, is there anything they can do? Well, if you're talking about sort of plants in the desert that are adapted to conditions where there's not much water around, I mean, yeah, there's lots of different traits. For example, having a waxy surface on your leaves or having having smaller leaves in the first place there's some things like in some deserts in California that have really good names like creosote bush and that just sort of tells you the kind of surface that their leaf has or like resinous surface that they, they can create basically like a waterproof coat for themselves out of this resinous stuff that they just like secrete it out of their pores. They don't absorb water through their leaves then? No, I mean some plants might do like mosses and liverworts. They actually use their leaves absorbing water and releasing water. They're simple plants. Most plants, you know, like rose bushes and what we have in the garden, Roots are the main way in which they absorb water. So leaves are one of the main things that they lose water from. So watering the plant is pointless. You need to water the ground. Yeah, what you're doing if you're putting that water on the leaves, especially if it's a sunny day, basically you're putting that water on a plate and offering it up to the sun and that's just going to evaporate directly off the leaf. I mean, some plants are really clever and if you water aloe vera that's got like a swirl of leaves and each leaf is sort of pointing upright. If you sort of water the leaves, you, you'll notice how the water goes into the centre, or, or lupins, you know, in your garden after a rain. You can see a little ball of water collected in every leaf, and plants, they have this strategy to funnel water to the centre of the plant, and then it runs down onto the soil, and the roots can then take it up. But some plants don't do that, and, you know, if it's on the leaves, then it's, it's not much use to them, because, you know, it'll evaporate from that surface. So they tell you, don't they, to, to put mulch around yeah. the plant? in order to prevent water loss. But then if you water that, you're watering the mulch and not the ground. 
yeah, so you should like water the soil and then put the mulch on top of the wet soil to keep that moisture in. Because of course, if you put mulch on, then it'll just take longer for that water to percolate through the mulch and then finally through the soil and then finally to the plant's roots. So yeah, you should put the water on first and then put a good thick mulch over that to keep the water in the soil and keep it near the plant's roots. That's the key thing. So does that mean I should have a hole through the mulch to water it? Yeah, some people do do that. Either have like a pipe. You know, sometimes you'll see it when they've just planted a tree or something, you know, because it's a sort of a strategy you use for something that's quite a big plant. And you'll, they'll shove a pipe in there and then you can put the water directly in the, the root zone and then it's, it's used straight away. Or even some people, um, I think it's a South American thing, they use terracotta pots uh, underground, you know, because it's like a porous material um, and they'll bury that pot in the ground and there's a little opening at the top and you can top it up with water and basically you have this underground reservoir of, of water and so it's right next to their root systems and the plant can draw on that throughout the dry summer. But this means you, you need to know where the roots are, what, yeah. what level the roots are. Yeah, there. of course, because like, um, things that are good at get holding the water, like for example carrots, you know, that, that root system can go down quite a way and not the actual, you know, the thick bit that we eat, the carrot itself, but little roots leading off of that could even go down to two metres like in a good year. But normally, sort of place where I'd put that terracotta pot, I'd put it like 30 centimetres under, 40 centimetres under, something like that. Why is there more water at deeper layers? In a long period of drought, the water in the deeper layers of soil is always going to hang around there for a bit longer. You know, in the top layers of soil, it's constantly being beaten down on by the sun, and that's going to evaporate the water in the top layers a lot quicker than the lower layers. You, you mean it's the top layers are warmer, so they yeah. evaporate yeah, quicker? Yeah, exactly. The water evaporates quicker. Yeah, exactly. So in, in the soil, it's just a lot of particles, and there's obviously pores between those particles, and water can seep out of that, evaporate out of that. So what are the best soils for holding water? Okay, so best soils um, that keep the water in there are those things with like a smaller particle size. Um, as, like just as a contrast, you can think about particle size in sand, like which is quite big. You know, if you go to the beach and you put your hands in the sand, you can feel the grains in between your fingers. And, and then on the other side of the spectrum, with the more heavier soils, you've got more clay in there. Clay just feels smooth to us because its particles are a lot smaller. So in that sandy soil... Um, with its big particles in it, it's got bigger pores between those particles and water can get lost from that soil either by draining through or by evaporating out a lot easier. So a sandy soil, if it's droughty weather, is not good for holding that moisture in. Whereas on the other hand, a, a clay soil, that'll be better for locking in that moisture and holding it there for the plants to use. But I've got sort of fairly sandy soil at home, so is there anything I can do to it? Yeah, if you dig in like organic matter, so either that's like uh, rotted manure or, you know, green manures, if you're digging in your green manures, it sort of sticks the particles of sand together. It's, it's called like, aggregating. So sort of rotted down manure and organic matter has this sort of uh, magical properties, as it were, and it changes uh, the, sort of your soil texture, your, no, your soil structure, sorry. Um, so that'll help to, to keep in that moisture. And finally, if it's really desperate and there isn't enough water, the stuff that's in my garden, what's he going to do? Okay, how do plants respond? Well, first of all, if a human didn't didn't have any water, you know, we'd feel a lot less active, so we wouldn't grow as much. Plants are the same, so it sort of conserves its energy and sort of says to what I'm going to do, just sit tight, I'm going to just 
stay small, okay? I'm not going to have massive leaves, I'm going to grow a lot smaller leaves. Also, I'll have the same strategy with making its fruits. So things that need a lot of water to swell their fruits, their fruits just won't get as big. So, you know, like pumpkins or squashes, courgettes, or even runner beans. You know, the fruits won't swell as big because there's not that much water around um, to, to fill them. What about things like um, coriander? Every time I try to grow coriander, okay. it bolts. The main factor of that is water stress. It, that's right, and it's bolting because um, it's thinking to itself, right, the going isn't good, I need to get out of here and make seed as soon as possible. So that is, it's sort of mirroring one strategy in the wild that's um, for, for droughting plants is a sort of live fast, die young thing. Um, grow up as fast as possible, make seed as fast as possible, and then they've completed their life cycle in a shorter time, and then they can move on. So, yeah, the, that coriander, that sad coriander that's that bolted, is actually feeling like, oh, I'm really stressed, I might, might not live much longer, I better have some children quick. <laughs> Let's just hope for rain then. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ellen. Uh-huh. I see. So a plant has two alternative responses to a water drought. The plant can conserve its water resources and grow very slowly or not at all, or it can really go for it and reproduce as quickly as it can. Exactly. From what Helen said, woody plants and those that make fruits like tomatoes and beans, they'll usually go for the sort of slow growth tactic, whereas plants like coriander that grow every year and make seeds, they'll just go straight to seed, go straight and bolt. But I dare say it's not quite as simple as that. Biology is never simple. How genuine is this drought threat anyway? I wondered about that, so I went to the Met Office website. They have monthly weather summary data from various weather stations, and I downloaded the file for Cambridge. The records went back to 1960, and last year's rainfall was the lowest in the whole file. The two years before that were below average as well. Also, for East Anglia, I looked on the Met Office website, and it says um, rainfall has only been 70% of the usual over the last two winters. That's pretty much all for today's show. Scientists at Work is made by the Science Show team on Community Radio Cambridge 105. You can also find past episodes on the website www.cambridge105.fm. You can also subscribe to future podcasts with the iTunes Store. You can get in touch with us on the email science at cambridge105.fm or on Twitter at 105science. Till next time, it's bye from the Science Show team of Roger Frost and Nicola Terry. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105.